everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0, the weekly dose of reality edition. Um, I'm Catherine Druckmann. Joining me is Doc Searles and Petros Katupis. Today, we started, uh, I think we're going to start out by talking about normalization of surveillance is what I'm going to call it. And uh, in particular, we were thinking of one story that's come up recently, and I'll let I'll let Petros uh, say it in a way that only Petros can. Yeah, I... <laughs> you're so blunt. I just enjoy the, your delivery a lot of times. Well, the, the article, the headline reads, Amazon's Alexa for Landlords is a Privacy Nightmare Waiting to Happen. And as I'm skimming through the article, I'm just baffled. Why? Why is this even a thing? I mean, what purpose does it serve? Yeah, well, I I think it is an interesting thing that happens at a certain point. Uh, big tech companies realize that there's a lot of money to be made on in the B two B business. In other words, we're going to sell to businesses. Businesses will pay more, and we can get scale. We can, you know, and that's the whole idea. I think with this is like, wow, we can get lots of Alexas into a uh, a housing complex by selling to the landlord. Uh, I mean, that's, I think that's the motivation. They just want scale out of that. As for the surveillance, it's just as creepy as it comes. Yeah, I, I like how they're trying to position it as um, a convenient way for residents to be able to pay their rent or make maintenance requests. But again, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's scary that this is even... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think if you were to go out there and poll people who have apartments and say, hey, wouldn't you really love to, uh, to, to have an easier way to pay your rent and, um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and talk to this thing, um, in order to, uh, you know, to call for help. I mean, it's, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I a solution in goes. search of a problem. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it would, it, 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 it's, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a problem searching for a way to be a solution in a way. I mean, I, I mean, I could, I can see why they're doing that and they're selling the rings already anyway, right? I mean, that's another thing. You know, you could probably install it with the ring outside the, the door and you could do both at once. Um, uh, but there, there are already stories of people walking, you know, walking home across the street so that the rings on the people on one side of the street don't see them. You know, there, there are communities where, the, where, you know, they've had Amazon install or some Amazon contractor install uh, a bunch of ring doorbells just, you know, in a, in a whole neighborhood, uh, which just turns the whole neighborhood into some kind of a surveillance state. Um, yes, that's my concern. My concern is just the normalization of it. Yeah, okay, fine. So people could opt out. People could say, no, thank you. I don't want this device. People could, uh, I don't know, unplug it. People, you know, there are lots of things, but that's, that's not even the main concern as, as far as I can say. The main concern is just sort of gradually, you know, introducing these things as a feature and the idea that pe that probably most people won't think twice about it and just, I mean, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, another gadget, cool, you know, and, and, but, you know, what, but what's the next thing, you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't like the idea that this is becoming a normal thing I wonder, I wonder how many are, do you think it's, I mean, this is, 
there have been so many stories about the nightmare waiting to happen. That's what the story says, the Gizmodo story, which is the one I'm looking at. How much is actually happening? I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering whether, I mean, just think about the, what's, what's the motivation for the landlord. Okay. You can, Hey, you can buy an Alexa for every one of your apartments. Well, these things are not cheap. It's not like you're buying a, you know, a doorbell or an intercom, you know, it's kind of like, I think they want it as an intercom of a sort and, and one could make a case for it, but there, what you really need is some sort of something that's more or less specialized, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or you have an Alexa that starts that isn't just, here's an AI device that could be doing anything, right? That's the problem with it. It wants to do anything and it's listening at all times. It is busy being smart. You know what? No, no, I just want, you know, what are people going to actually want? I mean, I'm not sure everybody's going to want one of these things, you know? I mean, especially if you, you know, what if you already have an Alexa? You get a second Alexa, you know, or do you, you rig the one you've got so you can add your landlord to it. That, if you're already adjusted to an Alexa, that would be fine, especially if you're, if you have some control. I've never had an Alexa, so I don't know. But I mean, if you have some control over what they can hear and, and all that stuff. But it's, it's creepy. It, 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 it is creepy. And there, and there will be backlash. I think there's already backlash, but there'll be more. So I think it's probably useful to go through like what, what the capability is for anybody who isn't completely clued into what we're talking about. So one of the features that, that, you know, an Amazon Echo has is this drop-in feature. So basically what that means is anybody who has access to drop-in, meaning an approved contact or if the landlord signs into their own account and then supplies the device, um, then you can drop-in, meaning you take, you know, for example, you would have an Alexa app and you would say, you know, tenant number one, drop-in, and there you, you have a microphone and it's on and you're listening in. You're li- you're, you're, a drop-in does not require the, the person in the room with the device to accept a call. You literally just turn on the microphone and there you are and you're, you have a two-way communication instantly. So there's that. Yes, are there ways around it if a you know a tenant did not consent to this? Yeah, probably, but it's still a concern. And the other concern, you know, is that are we talking about a little a, a small device with a microphone, or are we talking about a device with a microphone and a camera? Several of the Echo models have cameras, don't they? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, the Echo Show has one, and I think there's this hmm. one. I don't even know if they still have it. There's this one that, like, helps you buy clothes. I don't know. It has a camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but, I mean, there's, there, there, are just, there are a lot of things to be concerned about here. So, so where do you begin, right? Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that just because people don't want it or don't actively seek out the device, if it's being provided and it's, especially if it's no additional cost to the tenant, I wonder how many people would just be sort of like accepting and indifferent. I don't know. I mean, there's, you know, we'll, we'll find out, I suppose, if this thing takes yeah. off, but, but it is a thing. I, you know, I think it's, it's the next step after what, what you described, you know, with com- entire communities um, installing ring doorbells. Okay, great. So now we have total, total, total surveillance coverage of, of the outside of the neighborhood. Well, great. Now we have total surveillance coverage of the inside too. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think it's actually a, um, a character flaw inside of Amazon uh, that, and I think every company has some, 
but they're way too comfortable with something that can too easily become surveillance. And, and the fact that they're, they're big in the advertising business and, and they're big in the creepy end of the advertising business now, and they don't need to be. They really don't. I mean, they, they, they get thousands of dollars from us every year anyway. Even the less wealthy among us spend a lot of money, I think, on the average, at least in the developed countries on Amazon. It's too, easy, it's too much of an easy way to buy. And especially now, I mean, how many people are just buying constantly on Amazon? And I mean, when you're already, you've already eaten so much of retail, why, why add the surveillance? You know, you've got plenty of information about people who who are your customers that you can use to help inform them to become, you know, better customers, which I'm not even sure they do that very well. They make a lot of errors there. Hey, you, you bought two books on math here, 10, 10 other books on math, you know? Okay. Well, I got it for my grandkid. You know, I, I don't want to hear about hearing about it anymore, but they don't know that. I mean, it, a lot of the intelligence isn't, isn't all that bright really. And, but but why are they, but I, th- I still think it's a character flaw. I think there there's something really tin-eared and tin-hearted about that. And I don't think it's because Jeff Bezos is a tin-hearted guy. I just think that it's a low priority for him, or a low priority for them, or a relatively low priority for them. There's this kind of law in tech that says what can be done will be done until you figure out what's wrong with it. And th- I think that's what's going on here. They're they're doing a bunch of stuff that's actually wrong, <laughs> and yeah. and it's and and there's going to be a backlash. It seems pretty obviously wrong. I mean, there is enough backlash. It may be a small but vocal minority, but but it's pretty a pretty vocal group of people who 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 um, do not approve of of uh, for you know marketing ring doorbells to police departments and you know all of the things that have happened so i don't think it's a question of until they figure out it's bad they know but you know the the benefit to to amazon outweighs any backlash i guess sorry go ahead petros no what i was going to say was i see it as sort of an attempt by amazon to just discover new markets uh find another use for a device that maybe they can't expand upon anymore and maybe this is one such attempt. You know, we've seen it from other vendors. You know, you can only make an iPad, you know, smaller so many times. You know, you can only make an iPhone yeah. bigger, you know, so many times before it starts looking like an iPad. It, it, you, I just think of this more as a desperate attempt to just find new markets, see what sticks. But I don't know. It's it, it to to side with Doc here. It's it's very creepy. It, it and I think what you're talking about there is what they call in the business an adjacent market. Like here's an adjacent market. It is, it's a market that's adjacent to what they're already selling for rings, and it's a market that's adjacent to you know your off the shelf uh, Amazon market. I read somewhere that the majority of iPad sales are actually B two B. They're actually to schools. They're actually to to you know, point of sale for retailers, all kinds of stuff like that. I don't know if that's true or not. I do know you see an awful lot of iPads out there that are that are in business use. They're not in 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 the use of just ordinary people who use them at home. There are a lot of obviously a lot of those as well. But it's a pretty handy thing to to sell. And I think that you know Alexa's like that too. I mean, I think that and there's kind of on Amazon side, there's probably some crew of people in there just thinking constantly about what else can we do? What else can we do with this thing? We got this thing. We got this cylinder. 
that ta- that listens and talks and plays and answers questions and and uh, and and is a great AI research playground. What 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 can we do with it? And and the moral thing doesn't tend to come up, and especially when you can get away with it. I mean, that's we've talked about this before, but you know, we it, it, part of it is just the complete absence of privacy tools on our side. We don't have a a way to signal, you know, hey you don't follow me. Okay. This is, or this is in, in a, in a house. This is my private space. This is my space. Mine, not yours. You know, I'm renting from you, but it's mine. You know, and, and, you know, I mean, there is a feeling I got once I was, I was in a rush to get up to ski in California from Los Angeles. And, and I was driving this rental car and, you know, wide open road, nobody's on it in the Mojave desert and I'm cranking it up a bit and I get to 80 and we'll go any faster. Why is that? And I, and I actually called the rental agency and I said, oh, that's because we put a governor on it. We, can't, we won't let you go over 80. And I thought, okay, I get it. But it's my car. <laughs> because it's my space. You know, I, I want to go fast. It's kind of like, wait a minute, that's not right. Yeah, and, and, and that's a small thing, right? You know, people don't like that. That's kind of crazy too, because there's a safety issue there. Sometimes you actually you need to speed up to get out of the way, you know. But, right, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm passing this truck and I can't back off. Uh-oh. Unforeseen ca- consequences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think that's you know, I think a mistake that we make in tech is assuming that it's always up to the business to know all of what's right and wrong. Um, and I think government makes the same mistake. Like if we make the laws that prevent that punish surveillance, then that's going to stop it. But the problem is that we're not building it out on the, on our side. You know, I mean, we ought to have some kind of a thing. I don't know, maybe it's like a SIM chip or a, or, or a micro SD or something like that, that would have a slot on the side of, of, you know, an echo or a, or, or an Alexa or the Apple one and, or the, uh, and any of the others that, you know, that have a, a home potty thing, I'd, whatever they're all called. What's Amazon's? I mean, uh, Google's. Is that the Echo? I don't know. Google. I can't remember what Google Home. What is an Echo? Yeah, it's called. Yeah, Google Home, I believe. I don't Google have Home. Yeah, go- yeah, Amazon is Echo. Echo and Alexa. Is Am- uh, yeah, Echo is like the hockey puck sized one, right? Is something like they're that. They're all. They're all Echo something. Oh, Alexa is just oh, yeah. the wake name. So yeah, but but I mean, wouldn't wouldn't it make sense if you let, let's say I have my privacy policy? Here's my privacy policy. I'm. Nobody looks at me, okay? I, here are the things I do not want, and I, it's pro forma. I've got those. It's just ordinary manners, and I jack that into the side of the, of the, of the thing, and they know it already. It's already done, and, and then they can't. You know, that thing is turned off, and you've got some sort of auditing mechanism that tells you that. Just like, you know, in a printer, you can, you know, you've just, you just clean the heads on it or something, and you, you've got a little thing in the menu that says printer report, you know, and it says, okay, I'm on 192.2.45 or whatever, and I'm, you know, and I've got this much ink. It gives a report, you know, it'll, it'll say the report maybe or some other thing, but we need our control that we stick onto that. And then we know, we know when we have auditing and we can tell it isn't just like, we will trust you not to screw me. Not good enough. So, so something that Petros said earlier, you know, back to, back to Petros's point about just expanding the market, looking for, for additional use cases. Something that I kind of forgot about is, is that it's starting to 
really take off in the car the automobile market so you can yeah. buy a standalone aftermarket device or you can buy a, a few models of cars with with uh the alexa feature be built in you know and i wonder mm-hmm. i wonder how long it's going to yeah. <laughs> steer right, right. Steer rough, slow down. <laughs> yeah and by the way would the you like to buy alexa. a math book <laughs> but uh yeah. but i wonder how long until until we it's actually difficult to find yeah. a car a new car that doesn't have some sort of android Android uh, integration, uh, Amazon or uh, or uh, Apple car. I, I hate to admit this, but I helped build those cars. Oh, you're evil, <laughs> years, He knows. Years, years, years ago, um, those those times so it's your are, fault. are gone. But uh, yeah, I'm partly Thanks, to blame. So, so, so Petra, so tell <laughs> us what tends to be built into them, even if it's a several years ago experience. What 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 do they put in them? Well, uh, when I was working on them, we were a small team, uh, you know, part of a larger German-owned company. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave names out, uh, so I do apologize. <laughs> down. But we worked with, uh, you know, uh, companies such as Daimler, you know, working with the Mercedes lines or Chrysler or, or you know, co- manufacturers such as those and uh, integrating on our embedded uh, ARM-based, uh, you know, boards, Android-based uh, technologies or, you know, technologies that interfaced with uh, iOS and, and, and iPod devices very closely. And, you know, it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, uh, environment to be in because we were able to watch that market grow. And then at the same time, on the other end, as a consumer, I was able to see these same technologies that I helped to develop in the cars. And now it's been over a decade, well, about a decade since I've done that. And the technology has matured even more, but I'm more afraid of it now with the extra control that uh, this technology is, uh, is taking in, uh, in the automobile. But that's the rub, isn't it? Isn't it always how it works? You're like, the, the technology in and of itself, especially while you're working on it, is cool. I mean, it's cool to work on stuff like that. It's a it's a cool project. It's it's um you know it's exciting and it's a great it's a great problem to solve. It's just it's like we we last week we talked about Facebook. You know, you don't necessarily see what it's going to become while you're initially building something. Exactly. Um, and 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 that's you know and that's a disappointing thing. It's it's not the technology. It's what us awesome humans do with it. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I mean, when I was young and poor, uh, I mean, poor people are so resourceful. And and for me, it was with cars. I I was not a born mechanic, and I was not even a good mechanic, but I was a willing one, and I would work with other people who really knew what they were doing. So I got pretty adept at fixing, well, first Volkswagens, uh, you know, the, the old air-cooled uh, ones, when starting with the one I rolled, um, you know, but I had a a series of those, but I could, I, I would, I never spent more than like two or $300 on a car and I would get, because I mean, my philosophy was why spend thousands of dollars on a car when I could have like five of these or 10 of these for the price of that. So I'd have like 283 and 327 uh, V8 GM cars and uh, Pontiacs and Buicks and I never had a Buick, but I had a couple of Chevys 
and with with Rochester or Holly carburetors, and I knew how to set the points. I knew how to change the plugs. I knew how to change, you know, not just change the oil, but drop the the oil pan and check for this and that. I mean, I could I could do a lot of work on those things. They were easy to work on. And then when I got a not only a real job, but a company that was starting to succeed, I, I realized I needed a decent car. So I, I got a new, oh, the only new car I ever bought in my life is a 1985 Toyota Camry. And after I drove that to California and I needed, I took it to a, a mechanic and the guy said, that's a computer. That's not a car. I can't work on that. that you know, that's got a, that's got um, fuel injection. And that thing is going to break eventually. Well, that, that car went to like 300 and some thousand miles. My daughter got it and it rusted away in Santa Cruz eventually. The last thing to go in that was the fuel injection. Nothing ever happened to the fuel injection. And the, the thing that was the computer part of it was good. But contrast that with a friend of mine who um, came down to our house in Santa Barbara. Um, it took him a while because he had to stop and get it recharged, but in his new Tesla, right, which he loved. But we drove around in his Tesla and he confessed, he said, I have to admit, I'm a bit creeped out because this is the, this is a, not his metaphor, but it's pretty much what he said. It was like, this is a, a tentacle on, that, on a company more, as much as a car for me. And he said, I, I love the way it performs, but um, I, I don't like how much it's being monitored at all times. You know, it, this, is a, this is an extension of a company. I'm, I'm basically on loan with this thing. It's not really as much mine as a car used to be. And he was a bit of a car guy too. So, you know, and, and I don't think we know everything that's going on with them uh, at this point. I think, that, excuse me, they're getting more and more opaque. And, and it started in Europe in a way. I, you know, the, the, you, you go to Europe, it's like, you know, we were in Germany a couple of years ago and we, I mean, we never get to travel again. But back when we traveled, I noticed, especially in France and Germany, there are no junk cars. There are no, there are no beaters running around out there. Your car gets old, like more than a few years old. It, it's out. There's not allowed on the road or something. I don't know what happens, but it's really weird. You know, they, but there's this sense that it's all part of a larger mechanism. And I think a lot of the romance of, of driving, which is still there. I mean, I watch a lot of sports and you would think nobody ever drives anywhere except in desert and mountains dangerously in the snow and on cliffs and stuff like that. Um, but I think that's going away. I mean, my youngest kid, you know, didn't even care to drive. I mean, he, he's learned to drive, but it's like, well, he had to learn to type, you know, but it's not like he loves to do that. I've got a uh, funny story about Tesla. So this was for a different company as the previous one I, uh, I was discussing or, or, or talking about. But the year was about 2009 or 2010. And at that time, Tesla was uh, sending what I guess would become the Model A or the initial uh, car that they would start selling. And they were taking this car from auto show to auto show uh, to, you know, show it off. And the company that I was working for was a small family-owned engineering shop. And they struck a deal with uh, Tesla to provide the LCD panels that are used for the, the dash and the center console. But the car, they didn't have a car. It didn't work, I should say. <laughs> they, they were, it was still in production. Yeah. So what they were doing is they took a Mac Mini 
they wiped the Mac OS from it, installed Windows XP, and then wrote an ap application oh, wow. that simulated the odometer and among other features and wow. functions in the car. So I had to work with these engineers to get the, um, their application to, or at least the Mac mini to function with both panels um, simultaneously. So it was Devilware. So yeah. Yeah. So they could shove it in the, uh, <laughs> into the car and, and hidden maybe in the glove compartment or something hidden from uh, the public. And that way they can simulate what the car was going to end up looking like, feeling like, and then eventually they released the, the model a, but it's, uh, it's my only, only, you know, time in life wherever I had the opportunity to, to work with Tesla. That was quite some time ago. That, well, that's great. I mean, I, I think it, it, one of the things that shows is that, you know, that is a humble beginning. You know, that's how many companies have done that. I've done that too. I've been involved with companies like we can't make the thing we said we were inventing work, but we could take this thing that's already out there, you know, and, and, and fake it up, you know? Um, uh, and, you know, that, that Tesla did that too, I think is rather, is actually rather cool. And that they got past it too, is pretty amazing. I think it's a, a remarkable company. I mean, I'm, and, and also with the, what SpaceX is able to do is uh, mind No doubt, no doubt, I agree. Yeah. Um, and I, I think some of it also has to do, and I'm curious, I mean, were, were most of the people you worked with there, were they young? I was the only software engineer at the company. Oh, uh, you're talking about working with Tesla. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was working with a few engineers and a couple of sales reps. I don't, it's been so many years. I cannot remember those details. The, the uh, engineers were um, communicated with over email and yeah. the in-person communication was with the sales reps. So I, I just have a theory based on really insufficient information, but just like looking at um, videos and things of people who work at Tesla and talking about how they're making the car and stuff. These are young people, you know, and it's SpaceX more than that. I mean, it's like the, you know, we're, I mean, my, my vision, you know, my version of NASA is a bunch of hard smoking, hard drinking, you know, pure engineer types with crew cuts and uh, white shirts you know, working at Cape Canaveral and in Houston, you know, back in the sixties. And of course those guys are all dead or gone by now. But, but I think, I think it really helps that they were, and I said, this is an old person. I think we, we need more geezers involved in more things, but, um, uh, but I think it helps them that, that they're, that they're fairly young, but it could be the young thing also is one reason why uh, going back to the surveillance thing, that a lot of people who have lived without privacy for a long time uh, are kind of comfortable with uh, denying people, you know, being insensitive to the need, you know, to the need for private uh, communications. Uh, maybe that'll get a rise from some listeners who can uh, write yeah, in. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I, shit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I wonder. I, I do meet a lot of people much younger than me who, who have similar concerns, but I mean, that's, you know, that's anecdotal evidence of little value i suppose but yeah but i am kind of yeah i do wonder what this correlation between you know age and uh comfort level with this sort of thing is well it it it's interesting that um and there, there have been a number of studies that i've seen um none too recent but you know where 
on the one hand, there's this assumption that if you're young, you really don't care about your privacy. Um, but actual surveys showed that there's a difference between being willing to acquiesce to the absence of privacy and actually not valuing privacy. That people, people in general valued their privacy and did not want to be spied on. Um, but that the difference with, with young people especially was that uh, they were more used to it and kind of, you know, acquiesced to it with a big sigh and, 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 and worked their way around it. You know, we did actually with customer commons, we actually did a survey several years ago um, uh, called lying and hiding uh, something or other like that. Um, and found at 90, I think like 95% of all people lied at least some of the time or otherwise obscured some identity information in order to avoid detection in order to stay private as it were in order to, you know, whether, you know, and I think that, I think that's a fairly easy thing for people to do. And I think a lot of people do it. We got anything else? We have any other topics that, that we want to cover real quick or. Well, I, I we well, here's, here's a week. brief one. It's just something we could, cause I always want to talk about this. I actually think going back to surveillance, the first thing, I think the tide is shifting on it. I think the fact that, you know, Cory Doctorow jumped right on and Gizmodo jumped right on this, this Amazon thing is indicative. I think that, you know, there, there's an immuno system out there that's developing, that's growing, then that is us and our tolerance for bullshit um, and for, for abuse. I, and, and I think it ties in with, you know, even with what's going on with, with um, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and, and all of that. I think that the tolerance in general for, for people being treated poorly uh, is going down. And, and it's not just people. I mean, it's the planet. It's, it's the rest of it. There's a, there's, there is a tide shift going on and it's not all at once and it's not all simple, but I think the tolerance for surveillance is, is, is going down. I and mean, I'm seeing it too in the, in the advertising world. I think it's just slowly dawning on that world that direct marketing by th th that requires following people is a dead issue. It's going to die. It's, it's not going to live anymore. It's it, it they're between European laws and laws here in California and other places. It's just making it too big a pain in the ass to do that. And uh, you know, it's good. It's, it's going to shift. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about that, but, um, but I'm also a boring broken record on it as well. Yeah. Well, I hope so. And, you know, I think, so we have, you know, one of our favorite frequent contributors, Kyle Rankin has said in the past on, on the podcast, um, he thinks, a couple of things that really clue people into privacy risk are health data and, uh, yeah. and political issues, you know, manipulating yeah. so, one's so, political views. But, and I think in this case, maybe, you know, the, the current political climate and the current pandemic, I think may actually alert people to um, privacy issues, you know, where they weren't previously concerned, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think but, yeah. I still feel like you know there's there's still a minority, you know, us us included that are are fighting or you know vocalizing our opinions against this. I it, I know you're optimistic, Doc, but <laughs> the pessimist in me uh, it still thinks there's still a long long ways to go. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, I, it, this is a, an example of Amara's law, possibly, which is that, um, but that's where we overestimate in the short term and, uh, and underestimate in the long. Um, I mean, I, I co-wrote the Clue Train Manifesto back in 1999, and uh, it was 21 years ago, and there was a whole lot of stuff that I expected to happen then. Uh, that A, has either never happened or has happened in a terrible way. <laughs> you know, hadn't counted on the surveillance thing. Uh, and when I started, you know, some of the projects I'm involved with, it's taken a long time. And people come along all the time and say, yeah, we're ready for that now. And I'm thinking, yeah, I hope so. But we've been ready a number of times before, you know. Or your, your next edition may have to change uh, markets or conversations to markets or recorded conversation <laughs> yeah yeah markets are surveillance i mean that's uh you know you know markets are spying there was a guy who did a really good parody of clue train that substituted markets are money for markets or conversations which is actually more true <laughs> profitable conversation yeah it was Hopefully. a great it was a great parody too. And, and, and the guy was surprised that we took it, you know, we loved it actually. We loved that it. it was parodied. He thought we'd be pissed off. Uh, instead we loved it. That's pretty great. Okay. Well, okay. I, think, I think we've right. done it. I think we've done the thing. Yeah, we've done the thing. Thank you. If you've made it Very this good. long. Thanks everybody. It's been oh, good. and let's reiterate. Remember we have an email address. <laughs> Info at reality2cast.com.